0: Welcome back to AV Side. Uh, you're here with me, Anzi. And Ben. And we are on part two of this wonderful topic of femininity. Last week, if you, um, missed out, please l- stop this episode right now and listen back. But, um, I want to introduce to you guys again, part two with Anna and our lovely friend Gabby as well. Two of my great friends here.
1: Hello. Oh yeah.
0: I have a question. Are girls more long-winded? Do girls talk
1: more? I, th- I think girls do. Yeah. Okay, right. So I'm not a neuroscientist, but uh-huh. I was reading this week about a part of the brain called Broca's area, which apparently, can't even pronounce it, um, is to do with language, generation and comprehension. And I think it's larger in women. Oh, is it? it? Says Wikipedia. Now, I don't know. Gabby <laughs> will love this. If this is because we talk more or why we talk
0: more <laughs> because we talk more or why we talk more
1: i don't know
2: it is also do you think it's culture though because at one time women were meant to be seen and not heard and like much more so than men and didn't have a voice in public spheres duh, 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 didn't do podcasts you know men are only <laughs> podcasts but um <laughs> i think like in well i can only speak for my culture in like western culture now I guess women are like socialized more so you are expected to be more social like girls I think it's why they find it hard to diagnose apart yeah to diagnose young girls with autism um apart from that you know all the signs that they look for are based on young boys
1: Mm.
2: which is a problem but it's also because girls yeah exactly gender data gap hashtag Um, it's also because girls are brought up to be more social and to you know make friends to like do the communicating to Mm, mm, mm. um, make those relationships early and there's less of that for boys in general on average
0: because women are seen as more um, emotional and relational and you want to have those communication with friends to build up that social aspect whether as boys you know, they won't talk about their feelings as much as women. Um, I,
1: I'm going to disagree now. Okay, go for it. Because <laughs> please <laughs> well, do. we're allowed to. So my, my personal journey clashes a little bit with this one. So my, um, my biological mother is a bit more, um, so we say my, my birth mother, is uh, much more, um, she, she's not as emotive as my stepmother so I had a kind of a, a switch in parenting midway through my life, which makes me very interesting in the social sense, um, mm. because my socialization completely changed. Mm. Um, and so I had a big family, so obviously there were lots going on. But uh, for up until about the age of twelve, I wasn't really encouraged to talk about feelings, or I didn't know how to express them. I had various emotional. Um, damage etc you know it's all part of my story Um, I tend to be quite open about it but that's only because in my teen years I then learned how to do social communication uh, people skills talking to people Ansi probably doesn't know exactly how bad it was because I come across as really sort of chatty and animated and so on but so much of my communication skill has been completely learned Mm. Um, and and consciously learned, and I think what I've discovered is there is a part of me that I tucked away that could do that, but I didn't do it. Um, and so if you'd met me at, say, 10, 11, you probably would have thought I was kind of aspergers or somewhere on that spectrum. Now, if you are on that spectrum, naturally, there's nothing wrong with it, mm. obviously. Um, people are just wired differently and God makes us all really different, which is why it's mm. so exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you realise that, that God always wants to, to grow you in the places where maybe you feel weakest, um, for his glory, which is always fantastic and exciting and terrifying at the same time. Um, so I, I've had, I've had a bit of a weird journey because I, I didn't do the socializing at school particularly well. I didn't really feel like I did that. Um, I didn't feel like that was natural to me. And I've come to kind of rediscover a more feminine side where I celebrate, shall we say, my physical appearance, the more communicative aspects, the people skills, the nurturing side. I've acquired all of that and I feel much more free now I'm in that space. Rather than I've been coerced into that box. It's like as I've unpacked my emotional baggage that has come out, mm. which is really interesting. So I kind of agree with you. It is, it is socialized. It's definitely learned. It's definitely quite intentional. But for me, it had to be so super intentional that I found it. It's a more restorative process. Is how I frame it in my head, rather than mm-hmm. a oh, you have to be more social. You have to go talk, or is mm-hmm, actually what I yeah. wanted to do was go run around, kick <laughs> a ball, yeah. and but only the guys did that. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I kind of get the frustration, but yeah, I don't. I guess I don't put it in a negative.
2: Yeah. That's a beautiful way of thinking about it. Thanks for sharing. Thank you.
0: Do you think that there is a difference with how you communicate with people based on their gender? So, women to women or women to men? Like, do you think there's a change in your language and communication?
2: Yes. Yeah, me too. But I think it's just because I frame it as because I'm normed and because. <laughs> <laughs> and because every person is different so I would communicate differently to different people judging it's always a two-way thing isn't it it's a it's like a mini relationship when you, whenever you enter into conversation with anybody (laughs) and it's not there just so that you can monologue or just so that the other person can monologue there should be or I think my theory is that there should be some exchange some meeting it's like you set a table between you and you put Mm. things on the table and you share these things you don't necessarily go to the other person's table or that person come into your room and your table um I like that picture I love that picture (laughs) um so so yeah I, th- I think I'd even I'd try to I'd, not necessarily because of gender per se but just because of differences in in like all the different ways um, that can exist. So you don't base it on gender then? Um, it, I think it's a factor Um, and I obviously I'm not necessarily perfect or even very good at this sometimes. So I would totally I'm making assumptions as I go. Mm. And so I probably misread people totally. Um had a funny incident with a big guy who's an army chaplain in his like 40s, worked on Wall Street, um, and he asked like about um he asked about like my husband and then um oh hang on sorry he was talking to ed i've taken his story he was talking to ed asked about his wife um and ed was like oh what about your wife i see you've got a ring um and he was like oh my husband so you you see we make we just make assumptions literally all the time and form a picture of people or i do at least and sometimes it's accurate and sometimes less so Mm.
3: i think that's really good um i remember when i was doing some research for my dissertation Something that came up I was looking into like the Chinese church and where it fits with uh, the rest of um the church in the u k but something that comes up is like stereotypes are not necessarily um a bad thing. stereotypes are what our brain does to to take shortcuts um so we don't have to be processing stuff all the time they're only bad if they're incorrect stereotypes mm. or if we if we apply them to too much and so it's maybe, maybe not, maybe framing them as good as bad is, is not, not correct, but there's something that our brains can't avoid doing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we're racist or sexist or whatever. Um, just because our our brains make a leap before we've had time to think through a situation. So I think we do that all the time, right?
2: Mm, yeah. And I guess there has to be like grace for that as well. And I really have to work on this in myself, um, like, especially if people make assumptions on me it's happened a bit on over lockdown because you can have calls with people you've never met mm. and i sound very you know very kind of southern british da da um but actually my face is chinese so what is that? <laughs> but um, yeah so I have to resist I can feel myself wanting to get offended when people are like surprised or say something that I find like not nuanced or not very sensitive mm. but actually you know they're on their own journey of like exploring or learning um, and so am I like I have made equal blunders and Mm. like Ben said acted on assumptions that aren't accurate um so like is it is it in me to give grace in those situations um and hopefully to receive it as well
0: yeah because we're all learning aren't we we're all trying to figure things out and it's it's good that we do have a chance to make these blunders and also learn from those mistakes
2: which is also the cool thing about these podcasts, right? It's about it's, yeah, it's about exploration um yeah, and exploring together in conversation and staying friends despite it.
0: Yeah. Um cuz basically I asked that question cuz I've noticed that when women speak to me compared to how men speak to me is completely different and how I speak to well I I guess it depends on the individual girl. Um so working with a team of men I feel like is all very
3: whoa! whoa, whoa. we know who you're talking about
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry like, well not just you not just you I work with other guys as well um right. in in ministry but I think I think it's very you know you get the stuff done it's very logistical whether it's when I'm Working with women, it is very people focused and it's all about like, how are you and, you know, how is it going? And and even when people approach me, so during the start of lockdown, we were, we were preparing for this other project that I was doing outside. Um, and there's a new girl on the team and she didn't actually know how to approach me. But there was a lot of flowery language, which I wasn't used to because I'm so used to the work that we do is very operational let's get the task done um enough of the chit chat like hey if you happen to be free can you help me could you possibly maybe yeah like what is the point of all this wordiness just to get a task done <laughs> do you know what I mean like and I and I realized oh maybe it's because this is a woman who is talking to another woman thinking that maybe it's our politeness but actually I'm I've gotten used to through the years of working with guys um, like just to be so blunt and not to take personal offense over getting a task done. I used to, but I've learned through the years that they just want to get it done. A B.
3: Hmm. That's see, that's interesting because I'm. I mean, I, I'm only reflecting on myself, but um, I'm. I don't see myself as as being. I'm definitely very objective and task oriented. Yeah, but... you are
2: Ben to do lists.
3: Yeah. In yeah. I've yeah,
2: yeah. ticked that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: don't worry, Ben, we have spreadsheets. We have right. Spreadsheets tabs saying. upon tabs. I love
1: spreadsheets. Yes. Too.
3: So I don't think, I don't think of that in my own identity as because I'm a man. I'm that way. I just think of that as who I am. And I know there's lots of men who are, more relationship focused yes Um, okay i take that
0: back there are a few not a lot of them but there are well i do
3: because and then i was thinking about my work in a school which was just very like high stress and um my head of department and then deputy head above me above her were both women and they were both very um like get the work done like i don't care if you have to stay like they were very very harsh Mm. um people to a point that, that I, I think it wasn't a very well-managed place. and But that I, I'm not saying that's because they were women. I think it's just like you have some people who are focused on one thing and some people who are focused on another thing.
1: Do you think leadership tends itself towards people who are a bit more task-orientated like that in most cases? Or do you think, because sometimes better managers are more people-focused, but there's always a bit of a balance, right? it depends what you're leading doesn't it so i think
2: um i lead a team i like help manage the whole team but i directly manage four people and i think i think i just have a different approach to all of them
3: <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're all
2: they're all different mm-hmm. and that is draining for me and i have to like i can't just rinse and repeat uh for different reasons they're like different like, levels of experience different tasks different roles um but it is just trying to learn. Maybe that's just my management style. Like I want to know who, what will people respond best to, mm. and like how they'll develop best. Oh, you sound like a great manager, Gabby. I'm yeah. not always. I'm like no, <laughs> but I I would want to do that thinking at least, mm. and like learn how to improve. But it would be interested to like hear from Anna as well because I think both of our work is actually very it sounds like quite technical
1: quite technical um, quite task focused by nature yeah
2: yeah me too and we're very busy as a team very high stress so you do just need to get the things done mm. um but then there is relationship management because you have to work together at the yeah. same time um but yeah I don't know Anna, what your experience of that is is your is
1: your team like male dominated or women dominated uh even split I think mm-hmm. um interestingly um um as much amongst the stats as experts as it is amongst the communications department, which is mm. where I'm in. Um, I'm part of the team that's trying to make all the all the data understandable to uh, people who aren't stats geniuses, uh, which is why they they chose someone who hadn't done a maths degree. Wonderful that mm. those people are. Um, I, I have noticed that men men can talk to men. I think in business terms in a different way to men and women talk to each other. So um, this hasn't been so much the case in my own professional life uh, because I think it's always been centred more around a task or a particular topic and then you've got a central focus and everyone, it's generally always been quite mixed. So the dynamic changes um, and it's quite easy. Um, but with with things in business, I've noticed there being been points where, say, my dad will talk to someone Uh, to talk to another company because my parents run their own business and something that would have taken quite a long time talking to, uh, say, a female person in the company um, will get sorted out in a matter of minutes because you can joke around in a kind of way that you can't if you're a woman. Mm. And I think there are some men who, who may be find it difficult, and this isn't true of all guys at all, but there, I think there is there is a type of person who finds it very difficult to have the Mickey taken out of them um yeah. by a woman.
3: Mm. A I think they find that's
1: quite sensitive for them. Yeah. And you can't use that language. But another guy can go like, oh come on now, you're having a laugh.
0: Hmm. Yeah, actually oh, no, let's,
1: let's just sort this out, mate. You know, and there's a different dynamic there where they can they can be a bit um bit more broad brush with the expression yes and get away with it whereas I think for some guys if you have a, a particularly like a pretty ladies one up and go excuse me I think you you that might not be quite right that there's a pride aspect that kicks in and it's quite difficult for them and I don't think you get this so much in professional circles anymore it'd be interesting to hear from you Gabby because I get the feeling like your one is a is a bit more of the sort of uh, maybe more moral fashion kind of mindset um isn't something i've encountered myself mm. uh, but I, I do think there are some time, it depends on the individual like you say there are, there are some men who find that quite difficult mm. and then you have to be quite quite gentle and then you tend to play the oh well perhaps you could help me because i'm a little bit confused and you play the diminutive card <laughs> and you you still get the same outcome but you use completely different communication mm.
2: I would say like a lot of it is culture though and like and you know why is it you'd interrogate why is it that that is the case and is it because of something inherent or is it because of like perceived shared experience as men and perceived difference because someone else is female um I I think in my in my context so as an actuary It's actually so although my team is like three to one men to women, um, I'm like very senior, for example, and senior than most of the other men. But also it's so technical. It is about how like how good you are at your job and really not about anything else. Your credentials are like, can you understand the technical things and do them and do them well in the times given to you? and that gets sorted out very quickly probably even the first 6 months 6 months to a year you you kind of know if people are going to hack it um but i have seen like in yeah you're right higher up um it does get a bit more i don't know i've just been noticing this year especially after um like george floyd's murder as well just noticing who gets interrupted in a meeting like mm. who gets to say their whole spiel and who would get spoken over. Um, and it is quite, yeah, it's quite damning sometimes um, on the side of, yeah, like towards women or or people of colour.
0: Mm. Well, sad, isn't it, really? But going back to your point earlier about um, guys, the pride thing, especially... When women are speaking to to the guys, what about women leadership then so i it's it's a bit annoying. This is all about <laughs> the language aspect and how a woman is perceived in leadership, so they're perceived as bossy, even though you know on you know with the with the positive word would be to label her as assertive, but yet she's seen as loud if she's you know outspoken um maybe she's passionate, but that can also be seen as emotional so like Women in leadership—they don't have it easy. Because there are times where I'm—I'm I'm like, oh, are people viewing me as really bossy right now? I'm just—I just really want to get this task done.
1: <laughs> I think—I think women in leadership in the church is less contentious. Because I'm assuming we're not doing society, because that's evidently happening and going very well. Um, but should we—should we have women in leadership in the church? I think. That makes most sense if you have a lot of different giftings, if you're going to rule half the congregation out of serving in leadership in any particular way. More than half,
2: probably. That then becomes,
1: yeah, become becomes quite limiting. Um, women preaching, I can understand a bit more of the nuances underneath that.
3: Yeah, I mean, do do we want to talk about about women? Sure, teaching, let's teaching let's the talk are about Are this. we going? Are we going to just open the door to that? Yeah,
0: let's let's talk about this. It's on the show LOTS. Okay. Like, so we 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 want to talk about this. So, in in church circles, there's a whole terminology called egalitarianism versus complementarianism.
2: Okay, define your terms, Anzi.
0: Okay, so complementarianism, complement, it's about. Um, not taking compliment, but how men and women complement and work together to fulfill um, the duties as male, as female, and they work together in order to get stuff done um, for the sake of the gospel. Um, So if you're a complementarianist, then you strongly believe that women have roles in the church and they shouldn't be doing the men's roles and vice versa with the the guy's roles. Whereas egalitarianism is where equal there is equality what men can do women can do um and vice versa like there is no differentiation between the genders whether greek nor jew or male or female or slave or master things like that so it's all very like we're all saved by grace and we're all equal basically that's that's basically it and if you're an egalitarianist then you will be okay with female preachers but whether in some church settings, women aren't allowed to stand on stage and preach like they have no spiritual authority.
1: In some churches, women don't speak at all. Mm. Uh, aside from Sunday school. Yeah. And that's it. And it's really sad. So Ansie, what's so your take? Ancy is. Really not a at that. <laughs> well, I would add. There's, a, I think, there's a nuance as
2: well because I think I know some people who would have an egalitarian view of church leadership and mm-hmm. like leadership in the in the world, um, but would have a complementarian view of marriage.
1: Ooh. And then I think you you
2: could have like different combos, but pre-
1: like predominantly that. That's kind of me, for example. Yeah, so I have a complementarian view of marriage, for example. And of men and women. I'm guessing you're slightly different, Gabby. Yeah, I'm pretty much staunch egalitarian <laughs> yeah. in all in all respects. <laughs> Ansie chose people she thought would make an interesting podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to me, Ben. Let me
0: uh get away with this.
3: I didn't let you. You you were <laughs> autonomous as a as a woman, you didn't need that permission
1: answer. We'll see. Oh, uh,
3: so I think I think it it comes down to this um like when you so I mean uh, there's there's that verse in, in 1 Timothy 2 um Paul says I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man she must be quiet in church um and if you're a complementarian you can read that and you can be like okay see women shouldn't shouldn't uh shouldn't should be, should be silent in church and if you're an egalitarian you just go yeah he's saying I do not permit it in this church because that would have been bad for the culture and that doesn't mean that the culture was right but it would have made the church look bad at the time Mm. so you can you can interpret it in in different ways and as i was thinking through these the two um viewpoints actually it depends where you get your uh, where your truth from Mm. right like Mm. is there because it all comes down to like are men and women actually different in what way are they different is Mm. it just society or is it just biological, or is it spiritual, as well? Like, and and so you have to start unpacking all of that. And I think if you just jump onto one or the other of the arguments without trying to understand it from that starting point, it's going to be quite difficult to to change your mind, whatever your mind is. I think.
2: Mm, no, I really agree, and I think it's why it's maybe we won't, maybe we'll go to it now, or maybe we'll go to it later about the question about you know God and does God have a gender because um, for me that's where it all starts. Or it all starts in Genesis. Yes. Let's go go for it. Um well uh my answer would be <laughs> Does God have a gender? I would say God has all genders and also transcends gender. Mm. That would be my, my short answer, I think.
3: Cool. Come back next week for a discussion with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Well, I I think in the spirit of giving people the gender pronouns they request, God wants to be called a he. Okay. So I will respect that he has defined himself as male. Oh, that's interesting.
2: That's really
0: interesting. Wow. Because in my opinion, right, this gender title is basically an earthly title pronoun.
1: Mm.
0: And this is our humanly way of thinking to define someone or something. And so I think that for the sake of ourselves, um, for the sake of, you know, scripture being passed down through the generations, um, for the sake of people to understand the concept of God, he had to have used a pronoun like that. But I don't actually think, (laughs) this is where it's going to be controversial. I don't think, I think it's okay that he, to say that he is genderless.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't think I disagree there. I would say you have to say God has all genders. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fine. I can say that too. I can say that too. But I think, I think we cannot limit him and just define him as just male. Like, I, I think, I think, yes, we are made in God's image, but I also think that in our finite thinking, our humanly thinking, we, we just can't comprehend how big, and how mysterious he is
1: agree with that but <laughs> i i i think the idea that okay god made man in his image and he made it male and female tells you yes that god somehow transcends the combination the two parts right yes definitely, definitely. so I, I i will i will take that i think it's important for me that i think you've written in the notes the holy spirit is female contradiction no
3: no no that is not
1: that is not the case that's not the case yes but
0: there is a a theology behind that though
3: maybe we should just take a step back and like yeah explain that bit uh for our listeners because we were all looking at a a document of notes so there is a theological position um held by some evangelicals also held by mormons and and some other um
2: some catholics
3: yeah and some catholics that uh you can you can find both genders explicitly uh in the trinity god the father um jesus was was clearly a man um but then there's this argument that that says um well the the hebrew word for spirit uh is is a fem- feminine noun um and so and then there's all these qualities of the holy spirit which you might associate with with femininity mm. um like like being Being uh, a carer or
0: gentle,
3: being that yeah, being the way that we kind of experience God emotionally, like so. There's 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 an argument that some people make there. So it also basically comes from this, like, oh well, look at the Hebrew. That's a feminine noun, but a feminine noun does not mean that the the subject is Mm. necessarily a female, right? Like it's just it's just language, Um, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, who maybe more traditionally we would use the a male pronoun for but i think it's it's trying too hard to like dig in and um slap on these
0: titles these yeah
3: yeah yeah i mean what does it even mean to be male or female now we're mm. going into like yeah 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 you know i don't know but um like anna said genesis 127 god created mankind in his own image in the image of God you're creating the male and female,
0: yeah right mm. it's both it's both
3: yeah, I mean if you think of it like a like a parent, you can create children and your children are in your image, but their gender is completely irrelevant to whether or not they're in your image, right
1: mm.
3: like Sophie and Isaac are both my children and they are in my image
1: I think also it's it's opposed to the other ancient religions of the time, which were very much to do with um sky father earth mother yeah Mm. Mm. in that sense i'm by no means an expert but there was an idea of you know the fertility gods and you know you had like female deities because it was all about fertility and obviously that's the most obvious expression you have um and the idea of what gives life um is a really important one for the idea of human identity and where we come from and So intuitively, you would expect it to be from a mother. And actually, the fact that God says, no, I'm father, is very interesting to me, because that seems like a very definite move away from all of the other pagan or whatever else was going on in the the world at the time in people's thinking and understanding of creation. It was saying, actually, it's the spirit that gives life. It's through the son. And we are his children and we belong to his family. And I think maybe we need we we need to also appreciate it in terms of of patriarchy like for me it fits within the idea of spiritual authority as in you are adopted into his from from whom every family in heaven on earth gets his name you know um for this reason i bow my knees before the father in ephesians so this is an idea of all the families of the earth take their literally their their surname their spiritual surname originally came from god the father as it were um but there's something there's something in there, you know. I feel like to to ditch the idea of, of God as father is would be to our detriment because it's obviously put in there to give us an idea of God in some way. No, I would really agree with that. I would really agree with that, and also it's just a
2: very rich discussion. I love it. <laughs> um, I guess I guess my thoughts would be that God. There's like lots of things we find contradictory about God, or the fact that you know Elohim in genesis 1 that's like how god or in a lot of the like the torah and the hebrew scripture that god is described as kind of they masculine they but they rather than you know god singular and the sense of like god being trinity and unity um like god being in relationship with god's self like these are all ideas i at least find very difficult <laughs> but don't we um, all <laughs> i didn't want to speak for everyone else
1: um
2: i've never done a theology degree so hands hands in the air but um and i guess it's a, i think for me it's a similar thing about the income like yeah that's why i say you know all genders and god transcending gender because um like ancy said i think we have to kind of speak in loads of metaphors we and do. god gives us loads of metaphors but but also the fact that God, there's also maternal imagery, right? Like yes. Jesus describes himself as like a mother hen and Jerusalem as like chicks.
0: Mm. Um,
2: and there's like God's imagery somewhere, Deuteronomy possibly, um, late Deuteronomy, where he's like, I gave birth, I was in childbearing pains with Israel and I gave birth to Israel. Um, all this kind of imagery. So I think it's, it's less prevalent. i I agree than like the father imagery but the maternal imagery exists as well um and for me it's all about you know we call jesus our rock the cornerstone our strong tower Mm. um all of these things but we don't mean you know he's not literally like a rock or literally a tower or literally a shepherd or a lion or you know the lion of judah or the lamb you know it is imagery to, to be fair he was literally a man though yes
3: yes jesus was literally yeah a man.
2: yeah yeah
0: that that yes
2: that's confirmed yeah <laughs> we do agree on that um yeah and a man of sorrows you know there are some things that you you can take but also literally for in the sense in the human sense like god is not our father um you know we have like an earthly parent or mm. two earthly parents um so i do I don't know I'm not 100% but I do see it more connected in the fact that I see the father as a very powerful meaningful and true metaphor but it's not it's saying something more than God is my father it's saying God is embodying all of these like protective nurturing um loving qualities that I would hope my earthly parents exhibited but it's even more than I can imagine
3: yeah, perhaps it's it's almost like like the opposite of a metaphor in that, like mm-hmm. when, when we look at um, like our earthly parents, they are if they're doing their job right, if they're if they're trying to to um, bring up their children in a godly way, they are demonstrating um, elements of God, yeah, through their fatherhood and motherhood. In the same way that like a husband and a wife demonstrate Jesus in the church, right? Um, and so actually, we are imagery very poor imagery for different elements of God, or when we say we, I guess different roles in society are different um aspects of of God that are demonstrated here on earth, so when we 're made in his image, um, there are masculine elements and there are feminine elements, yes, and I guess they yeah, and they guess the things that aren 't corrupted by the world, the good things, the things that we were created with um originally they they'd come directly from God, right? So yeah. he is he's more than um these things on earth rather yes. than than Yes. Yeah. Great, we're in an
2: agreement are. there. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I I think I would I would be over the last couple of years I have really tried to change my pronouns though.
0: Mm. So don't know what you think
2: about this. But I do try to say God, God's self, or like Jesus, the word Holy Spirit and um yeah or if I use he I'll try and use she Uh, controversial in like another you know (laughs) the next instance for example um and just the fact that Anna mentioned maybe last episode that some people have difficult relationships with their fathers yeah um and it does mean like I have a really good friend who has you know completely absent father like came back later but just no no healthy relationship there, so it's very hard for him you know he's in the process of redeeming that relationship and of like God redeeming fatherhood mm. um, but when he just does need like the care of like God our parent, he will imagine like his grandma, who's like the most nurturing person mm. like in his earthly family, and he will think of like God I identify you with the same
1: care that my grandma has shown me and know that it excels that i suppose that's kind of where the shack sits doesn't it it's the similar kind of story but in fictional form yeah of this real process that people do when you when you envisage god and you you struggle to put a father figure in that place you end up with a female person
3: yeah and for me that like i think the shack if, if you don't know is this um novel about um this uh, this this guy who's um, going through loads of trauma in his life, and he goes away to this cabin in the woods, um, and he encounters God there, and God shows up as like this middle-aged lady. God the Father shows up as this middle-aged lady. So I think for me that was like too much the other way because it's it's like whatever for whatever reason we we use God the Father and we use male pronouns for God the Father. I don't think there is a a case for saying God is definitely a woman, right? Like, I think we've been kind of getting to this point where actually God is more than a man, but Mm. I don't know if I would say that he is a woman. Does that Mm. make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And actually, I think a good point about uh, why we do use, what maybe why we potentially use male pronouns is just because, That's how those languages work. Like, until, until like 50 years ago, we would say mankind, right? Mm -hmm. To mean Mm -hmm. humanity. And nobody would be like, oh, don't you mean womankind as well? Like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a very, very new thing. And, and that's, that's because of the, the male dominance in through history. And that's not, not a good thing, but that's just the way that it is. And so when we read, when we read the, the New Testament or the Old Testament, it's not surprising that, that they call Mm. God he. And it's, it's just trying to, show that god is a person
2: yes yeah definitely
3: so it's fine to say he or she i think it yeah in one sense yeah yeah
1: it's, yeah. it's just i basically think some help. people would find it heretical yes, I, I, yes I, I, wouldn't go, I would feel uncomfortable calling god a she mm. and that is fine i think that but is fine just yeah just because just because it's i'm like totally on board with that be- because you know it's, it's more kind of the respect for the chosen pronouns thing i think yeah mm. um but it's I can I can understand why why you would
3: do it. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I agree with you. I would be okay with saying they, but then they sounds less personal to me.
1: It's really
2: mm. uh, non binary. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send your feedback. To... <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's interesting, isn't it? Because like in Chinese um, or in Cantonese, like at least like he, she, they, it, it, they all sound the same. Oh, but it's written differently though. It's written differently, but if I were just speaking about God, then it would sound the same. Yeah, and God has it like God has God's own pronoun in Chinese. Yeah, the he does. He does. Sorry, uh, God does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, what? You but mean, yeah. just switch language and avoid the whole problem?
3: Yeah, yeah. I do feel like we're talking about this, and then the, the more I'm thinking about it, like it on one level, it does matter. Like that we kind of understand that we try and understand god's identity mm. but on another level like why why are we so why is it so emotionally charged that like god can't be this do you know what i mean like mm. it feels like does it affect our relationship with god
0: i i think fundamentally we all have a lens that we view god and i think that is based on our own biases um being brought up in the world um and it's sad how, you know, some people don't have a, a clear father figure or a mother figure um, that displayed those qualities or whatever you want to say. But I think, I think generally as humans, we do, we will try and make God a lot smaller just to fit in with our terms so that we understand him. But God is so much more bigger than that. And that's the point that I'm trying to make is that, yeah, God is, is it just transcends all understanding. Mm. he really does
3: yeah there's this there's this idea that actually it's okay that that some elements of god are still mysterious Mm. and that we're not going to know them until until we we see him in heaven and we can sit down with jesus and just ask him Mm. um and and that's okay i think we should still Mm. be trying to seek to understand what we can yes but there is a point where we just have to go okay not agree to disagree but like i don't know except
2: that we yeah God
3: is I that even
2: that's so healthy because <laughs> otherwise yeah. well otherwise it's like total hubris it's like I know I can mm. understand God and that's like I read Job recently and you know Job is commended for for even though he rails at God but God is saying you know you're still faithful you wrestled you tried you can't do it like I will appear to you and I'll talk to you about all my creation and you will not get it like I cannot be I cannot be tamed or fully understood. Like who who are you, like Job's friends, to think that you could understand me fully and understand all my motivations or how I've made the world? Fair, fair deal. Yeah, but
0: fundamentally, I think it's a beautiful picture that we are made in God's image, male and female. God created all of us. And so I think it's like even even the fact that he made Adam and Eve, Adam's name, what does Adam's name mean? man yeah humanity and then but then eve's name means giver of life you need both in order to procreate (laughs) to continue on god's legacy here on earth and so i just think it's beautiful how yeah you need both um and we're all made in god's image and and we need to continue on with that so going back to (laughs) females in leadership especially in church settings Clearly, you guys are okay with a woman on stage preaching. Then,
1: um, yeah i I am. I can understand why people would read the Bible and take an alternative view. So, I'd quite happily be in church where women don't preach. I wouldn't be offended by that.
2: Interesting. I think I would be offended. Ooh. I'm stage now, yeah, I think I would be. I really would because. Um, Oh, I would just find it so hard. I would be like really troublesome. And then they'd kick me out. And then I'd go to like a casterian <laughs> church. <Don't
0: know> <laughs> one of those liberal places.
2: <laughs> <sighs> Where the woman cannot be tamed. <laughs> well, I think because I think the church would be missing something. And I think as well, and I actually think this quite strongly. I think it's a misreading of scripture. <laughs> so so, yeah, um, when Ben mentioned the Timothy passage about Paul saying, I don't allow a woman to speak like no, no way. But then equally in lots of different places and, you know, it's debated, but like Romans 16, he talks about prominent women in the church. And there are theories, but obviously we cannot know for certain. But like, in, oh, is it? Yeah, it must be Romans 16 with um, Phoebe. And he says, you know, she brought the letter from Corinth um, and she might even have read it out to people. Mm. So it just to me feels like he's commending women, sometimes women in couples like um, Prisca, Priscilla and Aquila. um, And sometimes just he just mentions the women by themselves. Um, But he yeah, I do feel like he's he is saying the diverse body of Christ needs like whatever your gifting is it needs to be utilized for the glory of god within you know an orderly and like good way healthy way to build each other up and maybe was it anna who said this if you exclude half or more than half of the congregation from using their gifts yeah then you are the poorer yeah True. And is that honouring what God has given you as the body of Christ to bring God glory? I don't know.
1: I, I do think we have a particular hang-up, though, and this is just to put this lens on it, where mm. we have inadvertently valued preaching over all the other service that goes on in church. That is also true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, or being on stage. To, in fairness to the brethren, if women don't speak at all, then you've taken it to its logical extent. Um, which I don't think makes any sense because then there are thing, conditions for when a woman prays or prophesies she should cover her head. So they have all the head coverings, but they don't have women speaking. So I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because women should be able to talk to so say anyway. I feel very strongly about that. Um, but I, I can understand why it's so emotionally charged because it's not, no one likes to feel silenced. Yeah. Right? No one likes to feel put in a box. And I think it comes down to this sense of, um, you know, where, wherever there is a, a hierarchy and you feel like there's a line in the hierarchy, it's never, it should never really feel enforced. So I remember talking to a friend who was at a brethren church in Germany and we're chatting away. And obviously that was quite, you know, they are on, of the far end of the conservative spectrum and i didn't really feel so at ease in that congregation because i felt like oh my word you know um i'm not sure if i'm particularly comfortable in this environment but i was talking to her about it and as we're chatting i she very gently but very firmly told me to to kind of back off because she was very happy stop trying to liberate me um and i realized i'd taken what my view of where women should feel comfortable in church and decided mm. that she wasn't comfortable but she genuinely mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. and she was very happy and she's like no i want to be here i'm going to honor my husband and this is how i do it and i'm i serve over here and i really like this i really like this model and i thought okay mm. I, I i assumed too sweet you know and i think for me you know if someone ever turned around and said oh you know, in a church where women can't speak you must feel so oppressed,' I said, Well, since when did I feel like I was in a corner? Who told me that I was in a corner? You know, I, I, I can elect not feel like that. I refuse to believe any narrative that tells me that I, I am a victim of circumstance, that I I cannot do this. You know, I, I feel I honestly feel like if God calls you to anything, he will open up an avenue for you to do it. Mm, um, And where there are no men to do something, God will raise up people to do it. And they may well be women. Yeah. They may well be. women who are underconfident and feel like they're not qualified for the task. That happens all the time in the Bible. Mm-mm. Um and it's like God likes choosing people who feel like they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, that, hey? yeah, so it's 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 you can't I, I feel like we we do we we rank with the gifts and okay, it says eagerly desire the greater gifts, but I'm just thinking out loud here that somehow we have maybe we have turned this into more of a deal than it actually is in biblical terms because there isn't really a a value attached to people when they're gifting
2: hmm yeah no that's true that's true i guess i've like the the personal experiences are that i've seen women who feel the call of god on their lives to do it's not necessarily preaching or leading a congregation or anything like that but it can just be certain aspects um and they feel like they are not honored and they are not given they have no place except as like a baby maker or Mm. in sunday school Mm. and that is not where they feel called yeah so then it's the it's the life journey like for some of them of they feel they still subscribe to or really truly believe like the complementarian view. So then there's a big wrestle about their identity and why do they feel like they don't fit um, or where this has like forced the issue. And then they've kind of gone gone the egalitarian side of things, if you can say that. Um, so I guess, yeah, I'm just aware, and like for anyone who's listening as well, that is like such a real...
1: It is, yeah.
2: It's not just theoretical, you know. It, it's 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 a real struggle mm. and like a real.
1: I think it can be a
2: real place of oppression. I think that's my issue yeah. with yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it, not. Like often not, but sometimes can.
3: Yeah. I think it's. I think that's it. I think if if you're a manor woman and you're like trying to, you're struggling and trying to understand it as we are then i think that's that's a good place to be because we we are attempting to get to like how god wants us to live whichever side of the, the coin you fall on but i think it's a problem when men who have all the tra- tra- historically have all the power won't give it um a proper thought because they just go oh look it says it here so be quiet woman i'm not going to discuss this with you and then it's at that point that that you're then um yeah you're imposing these rules on, on people who haven't had the chance to um, explore it or, and you've not explored it yourself as a, as a chauvinist man, I guess.
0: Yeah, it is really sad when women are silenced and they're not encouraged to practice their gifts. And at the end of the day, I from what I know, is that we're told to go and make disciples. And I know that there are a lot of matriarchal societies out there in the world where women do dominate in that society. And they're not going to listen to a man preach. You do need to raise up women that will preach to other women. But I also know that, you know, like so so for me, (laughs) becoming a female pastor, I had to wrestle with this. And I had people on both ends of the spectrum that were telling me, yeah, you need to do it. No, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't even be preaching. Like I've fallen out with people over this because, yes, on one hand, Like my journey to preaching, my journey even to like leading and being a pastor, I've had to wrestle and grapple with, you know, is this God's calling for my life? Yes, it is. He's going to equip me and he's building me up, even though, yes, I do get insecure. I do get stage fright. I get, you know, fear of public speaking. But I also know that God has still managed to use me. And likewise with my other friends that are on stage sharing and prophesying and, you know, um preaching God's word or even leading worship, Um, things like that, not just, you know, in Sunday school or youth group. Um, But I also know that there are times where I do encounter men that are really against female leadership. And what do I do about it? There's, I can't, I can't like have a fight with them. I just, just don't bother. I've been told not to bother, like, just just walk away there's no point engaging in that dialogue and and having him you know talk down and belittle you and you know make tea (laughs) so so I think female it is really sad and that's the nature of a fallen world isn't it at the end of the day
1: I think I have I think it is difficult when you reach meet people who aren't prepared to see a different view on, on something that particularly on the more sort of should we say the more um, complementarian side? Cult- cu- yeah, cult- culturally disputed passages in the Bible, mm. if we can call them that. You know, the extent to which, it, I think we touched on this before, is it culture? Is it to do with headship and authority? How much of that translates into a spiritual reality today? How much is just of its own time? Like um, The head coverings. That had a symbolism that it doesn't do now, for example. So I, w- I wouldn't take that, but I would take the principle. Um, mm and and so that's you know different church traditions will have um done different things with that and i do think you know it's important to say that there are there are people in very conservative traditions who have known to be extremely respectful of women and people in very liberal church traditions mm-hmm. have, have been the, the opposite yeah. and so actually yeah, it's not black and white fostering like, it yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, one might tend more to the other, or 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 or, or, um, or help or hinder in different ways. And I do, I do think, you know, we perhaps we need to be more intentional as churches in, in fostering better, shall we call them sort of, gen, sort of our our views of the others, the other sex, basically, because this this is something that affects all of us. It does, and mm. people can be very hurt. It's a very sensitive thing, you know. Particularly, it comes around to someone's calling and what what they feel that God's put on their heart to share, none of us want to tamper with what, get in the way of what God wants to do fundamentally. Um, I think that's something everyone can kind of agree on.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, it's just discussion over what that is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. Because like, at the end of the day, I know my calling. If you want to listen to what I have to say, great. If you don't, that's that's your loss, you know? Um, and maybe you're just closing yourself off to what God has to say into your life. But that's, that's between you and God. You know, I, I'm as women, we, we were told to do something by God. I'm not going to listen to a man. I'm I'm going to listen to God. God is fundamentally the one I should be listening to and following and serving diligently to. But, um, but yeah, this is the sad nature of this world that we live in.
3: All I- right. I feel like I want to challenge you though, Ansi. Oh, what now, Ben? No, in a, in a positive <laughs> way. Uh, because if if you're in leadership and, and somebody isn't listening to you, then actually that that is a problem.
0: Do you know what, what I have to do then? What do you know what I have to, to, do? to do? If someone's not listening to me, I complain to God first. <laughs> and then I may or may not complain to my boss, who is male. <laughs> Believe it or not. Right.
3: it depends
2: like not everyone is under your authority no it's like it's the people under your authority
3: yeah yeah and i think if there is someone under your authority who isn't listening to you then
0: uh and there have there have been incidences like that actually male leaders that should technically be under my authority but it just doesn't happen unfortunately and it is really sad and i do have to call in the big guys
3: but I think, I think,
2: I guess it's also, sorry. Go
0: well,
3: there. regardless of, of whether that's because you're a woman or because they're different ways of doing just, things or they're just, yeah, not very good at submitting to anyone's authority. Um, <laughs> there has to be a point where like, that's not a functional, uh, that's not a functional ministry. And so yeah. if if a person has a problem with you as a leader and you can't help to resolve it, then they need to leave. Like they need to, <laughs> to not be, do you know what I mean? Because it's it's a bit hypocritical to say I don't agree with women in leadership, but here is my female pastor. But I just turn, put my headphones in when she's preaching. You, know, like, there's, you there's
0: many. Yeah. There's, there's many issues that a guy can bring in when they're serving. Yeah. Likewise, a, a woman ha- also has, you know, issues that she brings into the table as well when she's le- when she's leading.
1: I do, I do think women tend tend to have a slightly different style when preaching not always the case mm. um, but in broad brush terms i think they do and this can be a helpful not so helpful thing um i think i have strong feelings about women being confined to sunday school because that is not really my gift um Me neither. You know, oh. but then <laughs> no uh, <laughs> I can, I can do lots of jumping up and down. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a really difficult one. I do, I do think there are leaders of all kinds that we might find it very difficult to submit to, or people in church who might find it very difficult to listen to. But then it comes down to the love your neighbour principle, doesn't it? It does. Because it it does. It's like, look, if God can use a donkey to speak to you. <laughs> donkey? I don't know, I don't care who, what you think about the person in the front, no offence to you, Nancy. but like. If God wants to speak to you, he'll do it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and there's a case sometimes that I, sometimes we, we, we worry too much, I think, about this side of the rules or what other people think about us or how are we doing exactly right? And if we don't get it down to just the letter, then God, then God won't honour it. And sometimes I feel like God sees the heart, even if we're off slightly.
0: We're told to be faithful.
1: Yeah. You're That's faithful is, yeah. as much as God reveals to you at the time. In accordance with trying to read the Bible as best as you can. Speaking of the Bible, I just so happen to think about the curse that was placed
0: upon Eve.
2: Yes. This is the problem with <laughs> I'm gonna this is where you can see that my husband is a theologian and basically a Catholic. Because we don't have like good Mariology in the Protestant Church, so we like never think about Mary. But um actually, so my thought my thought on this, like in the TLDR version, is that Eve has this curse laid on her, whether, like, for what reason, let's not even go there, um, about the pain in childbirth. Mm-hmm. Then you have Mary who begets, like, who, who gives birth to Christ, who saves the whole world. And then Paul kind of brings this all together when he says, you know, like, women have issues and there's a curse, but you're redeemed by one woman giving birth, i.e. Mary. To Jesus. For, for,
1: for context, we're talking about 1 Timothy 2, everybody. <laughs> yes, um, it's just the next verse
3: after women should, should be quiet, in fact.
1: It's uh, it's <laughs> because we're doing all the good stuff. Um, 1 Timothy 2 from verse 11 is talking about women should learn in quietness all um, and submission. No, um, I got excited, I jumped ahead. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's completely on topic. Um. It says, okay, so I'm just going to read the whole section so people Go can get for the full it. context and also because it's probably all contentious. So here we are 2 <laughs> Timothy, uh, was it 1 Timothy 2, verse 11? A woman, uh, I've got the NIV by the way, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one dece- deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with propriety. What do you make of that, Gabby?
2: I mean, it is, that is what I make of it. So in the ESV it says, yet yeah, she will be saved through childbearing. And it doesn't say, like, every woman has to child bear. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of barrenness in the Bible, which is not, yeah. you know, none of it is cursed or, like, said to be wrong. No. Um, it, yeah, and that's a really hard issue. There's a lot of triggers in this podcast. I'm very aware we've talked about, like, sexual violence and, like, struggles with, oh, yeah, anyway. So apologies for all the triggers. Yeah, so I I would just really read it as, Actually, there is one very key childbearing that is like mentioned, that's prophesied over, that has like four different accounts about, that is kind of talked about in Revelation. It's like from the beginning to the end, there is like one hoped for childbearing, which will, which is the only thing that can save anyone. And you know, Paul says enough times, you cannot be saved by anything but through Christ. Mm -mm. So I do not think he is saying here. Like against in one sentence, to contradict everything else he says, um that women specifically have to have children to be saved.
0: I like that reading, yeah, so that is that is in your response to one Genesis three with the childbearing, but what about the follow-up part? Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you Whoa. I've got your
1: desire will be for your husband yeah very interesting
0: desire for your no. husband yeah niv has a different translation
1: uh so we're looking at the moment at genesis 3 verse <laughs> 6 which is on um the woman after the, the the fall in the garden of eden for people who are not looking at our screens what well, what what do people think this means then so i've got in the second half of this verse it's the first bit is about pain and childbearing which we know is a thing um very much so sadly and then you're Oh, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you that's the NIV version what did you have ansy your
0: desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you that's really different see to me there's always there's always been a tension between men and women because of the curse because of the fall of humanity yeah i'm with you and this is why We're having this podcast episode, you know, we're we're discussing all these tensions.
2: Mm. But then Jesus, what about Jesus?
0: Jesus redeems all of that.
2: Yeah. And we live in, you know, we often use this phrase in Christian circles, the now and the not yet Uh. about we are temporarily like post-resurrection. We like, we have the fullness of God's revelation and salvation and that's accessible like wonderfully accessible and it also means well i think it also means that there are there's like potential that we don't have to be we're not like bound by the fall yeah yeah i don't know what what do people think about that
3: yeah i know i'm i'm fully on board with that um i wonder if that that um kind of connects with you know how paul talks about like oh if you have to get married then get married but, <gasps> you know like i'm i'm blessed so i don't have to i don't need to worry about that so i can just focus on the gospel and don't need to think about like <laughs> a, a marriage a relationship oh, I do you know though um
2: i heard this recently and then looked it up and did those reading paul was probably married
3: wow really yeah
2: because his sect like his pharisaical sect basically had to be married you had to be like the you know good husband of like one wife etc cetera, etc cetera. like um so they think like biblical scholars think he had a wife and she probably died something like that wow mrs paul RIP. well we oh, wow. we
0: we don't know no we
2: don't we don't but it is it's like a i don't know i thought it was a strong argument yeah hmm.
0: where was where was adam when eve got ah uh, this is the question
1: next to her
3: well it doesn't say he was next oh, to he was him, he wasn't. it doesn't say he wasn't either so
1: oh yeah you're... She, she, she initiates and it goes wrong and he abdicates and it goes wrong and it's <gasps>
3: yeah they're, they're both to blame but
1: yeah
3: you can't you can't put more of it on Adam. Yeah, i
1: know i know they're both to blame
3: i mean i think that the the childbirth pain thing is just it's just part of the larger consequences of the fall right like mm. Like now there's pain and decay, and like there's all these things in the world that weren't there at, at creation um and it happens to be this happens to be one that affects women. I don't know whether Eve was intended to give birth before the fall happened, you know, like whether that was God's plan already
2: I think uh it's hard because uh maybe you mm, <laughs> this is this is slightly contentious like it. It's to me, it's very poetical and metaphorical, right? So then, you know, it would it would cause less confusion. I was thinking this yesterday. Like, why don't we call them man and woman in English? Because that is like literally what the Hebrew kind of is. Um, and would help us understand like maybe they they're not exactly mapping to like a couple. Um but then Eve does mean, like Ansie said, like giver of life, or there's those connotations. Mm. So I think there is something of the child yeah the the childbearing being eve's thing but maybe that is also but that's like post maybe that's our way to understand it rather than ontologically
1: yeah
2: oh, oh dear like you know what if <laughs> that's <not> a long word <laughs> like inherently what it was meant to be yeah. maybe it's how we understand it rather than what really existed
3: yeah i think we there's no way that we can know what no. the world was really like <laughs> in genesis one and two so any all bets are off it can be it can be a seven seven days or seven million years or whatever we don't know
0: mm. all right team let's start with
1: anna what have we learned today i've learned that i agree with. I agree with Gabby more than I thought I would (laughs) I think this this is a really serious point because sometimes I think when we get into discussions about gender and like the role of men and women and so on that things get really charged and I think that there's been really nice discussion because we've actually had quite different viewpoints on different things but we all agree that the bible is extremely important that's how we read it decides everything and that honoring God is the most important thing and we're all meant to be reflecting him and actually i would put that in the bucket of things of first importance um mm. and we've agreed on quite a lot of the differences between men and women and had some really interesting discussions about how god is so far beyond our comprehension you yeah know, whichever way you dice it like the way that god reveals the fact that god reveals himself to us at all is mind blowing right let's put it out there you know he he picks and he he depicts himself as father and son and holy spirit but the fact that God would come to Earth. I mean, we are coming up to Christmas. Please do loads of podcasts on that. It's mind blowing. <laughs> um, and that the idea of we talked about like the tensions with women in leadership. I feel, I feel like I've I've taken a lot from this. It's been really encouraging because, you know, I on on the face of that I wouldn't have quite a lot of in common if you were to write it down on paper, but I feel like mm. we, we agree on Jesus, and that's that's encouraging.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Bella. What about you, Gabby?
2: Mm, Yeah, I think I'm similar. I've really enjoyed this conversation, all two and a half hours of it. Um, (laughs) It's great. I could keep going. And I'm like, oh, work tomorrow? What work? But yeah, I think that there are things of key importance and there are principles that seem to underlie our conversation about kind of the nature of God and you know what god desires for us individually and as community like whether we are women maybe especially if we're women but like whatever gender we are or identify as um and that is you know very key to to just take people kind of individually um and to take these matters like coming at it from a place of like humility Mm -hmm. and a place of you know how does this why is why does this matter like is there kind of oppression involved is there something of God to be gleaned here um and essentially how does it change me personally instead of how am I going to force my viewpoint on some unsuspecting poor complementarian person you know? <laughs> um, yeah yeah and that we're all just that we're all just trying to understand yeah. something that is totally beyond us. Um, that is revealed to us but we all get like a little a little slice of the cake yeah and we need each other and that's yeah. what yeah i think that's my big thing i feel like we need each other i wouldn't have like thought all the things or you know more than loads of things that we've discussed today if i were just sitting by myself and in my own echo chamber
0: thank you gabby and anna um for sharing your thoughts ben what do you think
3: oh do we have to still do it i thought because we've got guests on this this season we didn't have to do You're slacking our
0: slacking off Ben. Are you slacking off? Letting all the women do all the work. What
3: Yeah. <laughs> because I'm being chivalrous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me, like the the bit where we were talking about, actually this all points back to, to who God is and there's there's all it's all an understanding of um God did create man and woman differently for a reason and Everything that we do in trying to understand that is, is in some way trying to understand creation and, and how God has been um how God has put together this world. And so um when we apply that to actually what do we do about gender differences and stuff, as long as we're going on that that journey together like we've done for the past hour and a half or two episodes, as long as it's a, a process that's happening and it's a conversation. Uh, we can we can come to a point where we're we might not all agree one hundred percent, but at least we're um,
0: willing to discuss and listen and learn yeah, from and, each other, and,
3: yeah. and being part of the the family of Christ together, rather than saying, "Oh, this person disagrees, so they should be kicked out or or anything like that." Ansi, what have you learned?
0: So I think I love talking about femininity. I think because um, I come from a family of all women. Uh, I've got a lot of sisters and um, I've got a lot of nieces as well. But um, so I do come from a strong female background um, and I am quite outspoken, um, very passionate in um, female affairs. But I also know that there is a need for both femininity and masculinity. But I think it's great that today um, for the past two episodes, we were able to explore what is biblical femininity. Um, and it is all about, you know, following Christ. Christ is the cornerstone, um, in which we build our lives upon. And, um, but no, I think it's a beautiful aspect, um, of exploring this topic and, and looking at what the Bible says. Um, but we all agree that, yeah, jesus (laughs) jesus is the answer basically in a nutshell thank you so much guys girls (laughs) young people
2: thanks for having
0: us
3: yeah thanks for coming on yeah guys if you guys people i'm speaking to our listeners (laughs) listeners if you are um if you have any feedback um please let us know abside at the bcc.org.uk
0: we'd love to hear from you guys people sorry um this is season two um yeah we're looking forward to the next couple of episodes aren't we
3: we definitely are stay tuned all right bye